Sarnell Williams at the tailback. They'll hand it off to Williams up the middle. 25, cuts it inside. Perfect. 35, 40. There goes Cadillac. To the 50, to the 40, to the 30, to the 20, to the 15, 10. Go crazy, Cadillac. Go crazy. Touchdown. Now they can play a little safer, but they're not going to. Nicks is back. Throws it down. Field. A 20-yard attempt. Josh Harris, the snapper. He'll call to the place. He'll hold it. Byron waits for the snap to the place. There it is. The kick is up. The kick is good. Auburn wins. 22-19. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Red Cup Auburn podcast. My name is Noble, and I'm joined here with my co-host, Wheeler. What's up, everybody? Excited to be here and talk about some Auburn sports. Absolutely, man. Uh, we're really excited for all this. Uh, since this is the first podcast, we're going to just you know come up with our own topics. But in the future, we'd like this to be very listener-based. So uh, feel free to shoot the Instagram page a DM talking about a specific topic that you want us to talk about uh, and all that. But I think we're going to get right into it. Uh, our first topic is we're going to talk about some Auburn basketball. And let's try and predict what the starting lineup will be. So, Wheeler, do you want to start that one off? Uh, yeah. So, I think this season it's going to be interesting. I mean, Bruce said it last night when he did his uh, ambush at home where he was talking about how he's going to have to bring the Gerber baby food on all the road trips with him because he's mm-hmm. so young. Um, the team has lots of newcomers coming in this season, so that'll be interesting. Um, I mean, I think you can just – obviously, I think Sharif, he'll probably be starting at the one. Um, for those that don't know, Sharif Cooper, he's from Powder Springs. He went to the same high school that Isaac Okora went to last year. He's a uh, five-star point guard. He's going to be big time. I'm assuming he'll be a one-and-done, uh, so don't get too used to him. But while, he, while he's here, he's going to be really good. Um, Another couple guys that we're bringing in in this class that I think could see some action would be JT Thor. Uh, We signed him a couple weeks ago. He's a four-star, so he reclassified. So while he's technically ranked 50th in the country, um, and that doesn't sound, you know, as high as Sharif, who was 23, he was really highly ranked in the 2021 class. So I'm really excited to see what he's going to be able to do. Um, Another guy that I'm really excited to see that I think will get some playing time is a guy that I think you interviewed, Noble on the uh, Instagram live, and that was Dylan Cardwell um, coming in. That's a 6'10", 220 uh, center. So I think he'll have some good things. Um, so those are kind of our newcomers. Uh, I think definitely Sharif will be at the one. Uh, do you have any objection to putting no. Sharif at the one? No, I think, that, I think that most Auburn fans would definitely have a consensus that Sharif is starting at the, at the point guard spot. And then I think Right behind him will be a guy. He was on the team last year, and I don't know how many people really followed him. Um, Tyrell Jones, his nickname's Turbo. Um, apparently, he's a really quick, uh, really quick basketball player. Gets downhill. Um, I see him playing the one and the two, uh, but kind of sitting behind Sharif at the two, almost like Samir did last year, where Javon would start at the one, but when Javon needed a breather, we would move up. Samir down to the one yeah um what do you think uh so I think that's an interesting situation I think we could use turbo in that in that way where he is 
primarily a two, but also plays a little bit of a one. But I could also see him being used similar to how Javon was used during the uh, Final Four team where, you know, he comes in, but when him and Jared are both on the floor, you know, on the Final Four team, they would move Jared to the two, whereas I think on this team we would probably move Turbo to the two. So I think that Turbo will be primarily a backup point guard, but when him and Sharif are on the floor, he'll be, he'll be the two man. Yeah, I mean, I've heard a lot of good things about Turbo. I think kind of the reason he wasn't playing much last year is that the rumors were kind of he was struggling to pick up the, you know, schemes on offense and defense. So hopefully after having a year of practice under his belt um, and then hopefully this offseason he's able to get some coaching in, hopefully. I think they should be coming back. Did they say they're coming back June 8th? June 8th Did I read yeah. that somewhere? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, they'll be coming back. They'll be back in the facility, which will be really good for them, uh, being able to work out um, and being able to go over schemes, you know. Because basketball, uh, unlike football, it has more of a year-round practice. Mm-hmm. So there's less of like a independent off-season for those guys. So I think this summer is going to be really important for Turbo so that he can learn the schemes and stuff and hopefully get some meaningful minutes here for Auburn. Yeah, I agree. Um, I definitely think that the uh, the shooting guard spot is definitely one of the one of the main spots that's just kind of up in the air. I feel like we could see uh, we could see Turbo there. I think we could see Devin Cambridge uh, be there. You know, he played he played a little bit of shooting guard this year. Played a bit of small forward. Uh, I think also Justin Powell. He's a uh, he's a three star freshman coming in. He uh, I, I truly think he would have been a four star had he not had some injury problems in high school. Uh, he is a fantastic shooter, great 3 and D player uh, at 6'5". I think he could get some time there. And then also Jamal Johnson could uh, get some time in the shooting guard spot as well. So definitely a lot of different options for the two. But uh, what are you thinking for the, for the three, the small forward? Yeah, I think the three is kind of coming down to two guys for me. Um, it's coming down to JT Thor and Alan Flanagan. Uh, it's kind of been Bruce's MO since he's been at Auburn that he's going to go with the veteran guy that kind of knows the system. So I think at the beginning of the year, you'll probably see a little bit more Allen and let JT kind of get his feet wet in the college game uh, as he gets used to the speed of the game and that kind of stuff. But I could see them really swapping minutes. I mean, that's another thing about Bruce is he's not afraid to play a lot of guys. Um, So even guys that are on the bench per se, you know, they come in and they get a lot of meaningful minutes. And so I think that the, the three has a great uh, potential to be a deep spot for Auburn between JT and Allen. Uh, I think Allen, towards the end of the season, he was starting to finish the ball a little bit better. And that was kind of always his thing. He was getting yeah. to the rack really well the whole season. Yeah, he was just having it. trouble, yeah. yeah, having trouble finishing. But I know specifically in that Tennessee game, the last game we saw, uh, he had a great game. And I think as he – gets more used to the speed of the game he's gonna be able to finish just a little bit better because I think that was one of his strong suits coming out of high school was getting to the basket um and then JT obviously we said as he gets more used to the college game but also the guys coming in right now and even though he's really highly rated he is he's 6'9 190 so that's not the heaviest guy to be playing down low in the SEC yeah so again Kind of like we had said with Turbo on the offseason, I think this offseason is going to be really important for JT to see if he can bulk up a little uh, while he's here. Because Auburn, we, we really have done – our coaches have done a great job with the players and developing them uh, physically while they're here. 
I mean, I think Jared's an example of that. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously he never got to a point where everybody was like, wow, this dude's he, yo. Yeah, he's huge, yeah. But, yeah. But his freshman year, I mean, he was a beanpole out there. He was a little mm-hmm. dude. Um, and he got a little more solid. And you could tell by his senior year, I mean, he wasn't afraid to take it down yeah, low and def- yeah, definitely get after not. the basket. So, I think that JT will definitely benefit from the offseason. And Allen, I mean, that was another one of his strong suits. He was a pretty strong player. Mm-hmm. I mean, he didn't get Especially pushed off the ball very yeah. much. Yeah. Um, and then not to mention defense. I think we've mentioned a lot of offense. But last year, mm-hmm. the trademark of the Auburn basketball team was their defense. And Allen was one of the guys that was kind of leading the charge. Isaac got a lot of press for being a great defender. But Allen, when he had to come into the game when Isaac was hurt or when Isaac needed a break, Allen was kind of our lockdown defender. So I think it'll be good to have him, especially training JT. I haven't seen very much of JT because I don't really watch high school basketball tapes. But from what I've read, JT has the ability to be really good on defense. They just – the scouts that write about these type of things say that he struggles with his effort on defense sometimes. And I think that's one of Bruce's specialties is getting maximum effort out of people. Yeah, uh, I definitely agree with that. Um, I think that JT has the potential to be a really good player. He's really good at blocking shots, which is a good thing. He's a he's an excellent shot blocker. Um, I've seen a lot of people say uh, he's closer to six ten than six nine, which is you know really tall for a small forward. But, but I mean, JT is insanely athletic. He has a great mid range shot, decent three ball. You know, he, he's got the shooting ability to play the three. And I think JT is honestly probably the most versatile player on the team. He could easily play the three, four, the five. Um, and Bruce, you know, said in an interview earlier that, you know, he has the handles of a guard. So JT is just kind of a guy that could kind of float around. But I think that the small forward, power forward, and center would be the most likely spots that we'll see him. Uh, and when you mentioned his size, uh, for – for a little bit, of, uh, for a little bit of emphasis on that, uh, Anthony Mclemore came in at 220 pounds, and Anthony was around the same height as JT. So, I mean, JT's got to put on 30 pounds just to be the same size as Anthony. So, you know, he's got to put on some some weight if he's going to be playing a whole lot of power forward and center uh, in the SEC. But uh, let's move down to the uh, to the front court. What are your thoughts about the power forward and center spot? Yeah, so I think power forward, I think Jalen has, I mean, he was really impressive to me at the end of the year, uh, both on the offensive and defensive end. And I think the thing that impressed me most about Jalen is, yes, he made his, you know, awesome plays. He would make his awesome dunks. But he just seemed like he was calm out there and he didn't make big mistakes. You know, he wasn't throwing the ball on a horrible turnover. He's not taking ill-advised shots. Um, So he's a really solid guy. I think he's going to be kind of a rock for our team as a place for the ball to go through, kind of when you need to hold the ball on offense. Uh, Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And when you said, you know, he doesn't make big mistakes, that's a big thing, Uh, especially in our – especially in uh, our past a lot of the time. You know, Bruce gives guys the green light to shoot, shoot themselves out of slumps. But, you know, sometimes it's just better to just not take up a contested shot when you're down by 15. Uh, so J- Jalen is definitely a guy that I really, really like because he just doesn't make mistakes, doesn't do stupid fouls, doesn't turn it over a whole lot. So I definitely like him. He's a good defender. And with the, with the experience in the system, I think he'll be a, a very useful, very useful player. So, yeah. So let's, uh, let's look at the center spot. Uh, well, I think, I think so behind him, I think 
that's kind of an area that's a question mark. We have two guys that are there um, that Auburn fans really haven't seen or heard very much of. So we had last year the guy that was back there was Javon Franklin. He came in as a pretty highly touted uh, player, and he never really saw the court. So I'll be interested to see this season. Was Javon not seeing the court last year just because we were really strong at that position? Um, was he having to learn the system? Or, you know, kind of what's the deal? Why did Javon not see the court? Because I could see him honestly becoming a little bit of a breakout player that we didn't see, kind of like we didn't see Jalen coming very much last season. I could see Javon in that role. And then also a newcomer that's coming in is Chris Moore. Uh, so he's from Arkansas, and I don't want to compare him to Alan Flanagan just because he's from Arkansas. But honestly, he's built very similar to Flanagan. Is, I think yeah. that his game could be modeled like Flanagan's was. And as the season goes on and he gets more used to the college game, seeing some uh, growth there. So I think that the four starting out is pretty solidified with Jalen. But I think that right behind him, there's a lot of competition. That'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah, I agree with that. I definitely think there are a lot of guys that will be getting time. I think that the, the quote-unquote starter is just going to be kind of a, a formality. You know, because similar to how it was, uh, you know, with Anthony and Austin a couple years ago and really this year, uh, you know, technically one of them starts, but they both get around the same amount of minutes. Uh, Chris Moore, I'll tell you what, he reminds me a lot of Deshaun Murray from the uh, from the team that won the SEC regular season, except he's a bit taller. He's a really tenacious rebounder. I think he averaged like 13 or 14 rebounds uh, his senior year of high school. Uh, I think that he's a big effort guy. You know, he goes after he goes after the boards. He takes pride in that. So I think that's an interesting thing. Uh, with Javon Franklin, uh, when when you mentioned him, uh, I'm wondering because you know we he, we extended him a scholarship and he came here after uh, a ba- a real bad leg injury, I believe, and so he missed a lot of his one of his seasons in JUCO. So I'm wondering if he just kind of if he was kind of losing a step there. So hopefully, you know, with the year year under his belt and then this summer he'll be able to you know get back to get back to his previous form and get some playing time for sure uh so yeah so let's look at the the center spot we've got really two options uh with stretch uh that's uh babatunde akimbala he he came in last year you know he didn't get a whole lot of playing time uh but you know he's definitely a, a guy that we're gonna have to we're going to have to rely on rely on him a lot down the stretch. And then Dylan Cardwell, freshman coming in, did not get to play his senior season. But, you know, those are two guys that both have a lot of potential to both be, both be starters. So, we, what, are your, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, um, stretch really excites me. Uh, when you watch his uh, highlight tape, he did a really good job in high school of shot blocking. And that seems to kind of be the thing that we have on several places in the court are these shot blockers. So I think that the defense, I think it may be a little bit different than it was last year. I think last year it was more pack it in and be the most athletic person and never give up the easy bucket. And I feel like this year it's going to be more like that SEC championship mm-hmm. season where everybody's kind of trying to get the shot blocked. So that'll be interesting to see kind of how the defense morphs to go with the athletes that we have. And then Stretch also, I mean, Bruce has said on multiple occasions that Stretch is his favorite player. So I, I'm interested to see what Stretch can do. I mean, he, I know at the tip-off at Tumors last year, they had him in the three-point contest, and he actually did pretty well. Um, so I think it'll be fun to see if he can turn into a stretch five, you know, no pun intended, um, during this season. And 
almost like Anthony, but hopefully just a little bit more handling of the ball than Anthony was able to give. But that really that would change the dynamic of the team when when Anthony was hitting his shots, the team was really going hot this season because they were able to widen out those lanes. And I think for Sharif uh, and Turbo, having people that are you know stretching the floor and allowing them to drive will be a really good thing. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. You know, with Sharif and Turbo, they're so quick off the ball. You know, it's going to be very difficult for a point guard to to stop them getting to the rim when there's not a center back there. And, you know, that was a, a small issue we had when we would have Austin Wiley on the court because Austin Wiley was always in the paint. And, you know, while he was a great rebounder, good paint player, you know, nobody thought Austin Wiley was going to go and start shooting a bunch of threes, you know. So when Anthony yeah, was there, either. you know, it stretches the floor and the, the paint's open. But when Austin was there, it was it was almost a different offense. And it was almost we had to switch what we were doing depending on which center we had on the floor. But, you know, a lot of the guys that we'll have on the floor this year can all shoot. Uh, I think Jalen is the one guy. Uh, Jalen Williams is the one guy that, you know, might not be able to shoot as well as the others. But, I mean, Jalen's still, you know, he's not scared to take an open three, you know. So I think that it'll yeah. be it'll be good, especially having Cardwell uh, and Stretch can both you know they can both definitely stretch the floor. So that'll be a that'll be an interesting thing to see with how our spacing is this year. For sure. Uh, but yeah, so that covers the the potential starting lineups, and now we're gonna kind of shift our focus to college football, um, and we're gonna kind of just just break down the a couple of the opponents that we're starting the season with. I think we're going to stop in week five so we're gonna we're gonna kind of break down just the top five matchups of the season starting with week one Alcorn State in Jordan Hare uh so Alcorn State they they won their conference last year they went nine and four uh the biggest the biggest uh game that they played probably against the best team they played was Southern Miss they lost by I think 28 points so that's just an interesting thing to to monitor, you know, Alcorn State is just kind of the typical, uh, just kind of the typical cupcake game that you schedule for the first week to kind of get the guys, you know, accustomed to it. But I will say Alcorn State is one of the better teams in their conference, and they're looking to win the conference again this year. So obviously, it won't be just an easy game. We're still going to have to play the game, but uh, it should be. We should have no problem winning that game. Uh, Weather, what are your what are your thoughts on the Alcorn State Braves? Yeah, I'm, I really like the way that they scheduled this season where you play kind of your cupcake game first and then you play kind of your season starter uh, mm-hmm. at the Dome up in Atlanta. Um, I think starting the season off with a new offensive coordinator, it's going to be really nice to have a defense that uh, was not exactly the most stout last year. Um, I think just athletically, Auburn should be able to do whatever – but it'll be good to get some live fire bullets for uh, a pretty young offensive line. And then Bo, as he's getting to, used to the uh, new offense. Uh, I think it's also going to be a really big night for the running backs. Mm-hmm. Typically in these cupcake games, these running backs are able to look like absolute freaks like they did in high school because they're faster than all the linebackers, all the safeties uh, in all the corners. I think that uh, Tank is going to have a big game. I could see him starting the game, honestly, and just running all over Alcorn State. Um, And then on the defensive end, their quarterback threw uh, nine interceptions last season, uh, and he threw three of those interceptions against Southern Miss and three of them in the SWAC championship. So that tells me that whenever he plays a 
semi-formidable defense. He is a turnover machine, so it'll be exciting. I think that a young secondary would really benefit from getting a couple of interceptions off of a quarterback that's prone to try and throw those. Yeah, definitely. That'd be a huge, huge confidence thing for a lot of the guys on the team. Uh, I think it'll be interesting to see how we monitor the running back room in this game. Uh, hopefully we can start off to a big start and give a lot of the guys a lot of carries. Um, but I was, I was, uh, I liked what you said when you said you like how we scheduled this year. You know, we're not, we're not starting the game with the eventual Pac-12 champion like we have the past two years. Uh, but this does remind me a little bit of 2017 when we started with, I want to say we may have started with Alcorn State then too. I can't, I can't remember exactly who it was. It was a good game for Jarrett. You know, you could kind of ease into it. And it was his first game in like two years. And even though we ended up losing the big game to Clemson 14-6, to it was still a good thing for Jarrett to play a game and the offense to kind of get a dress rehearsal against a real team before going in and playing, you know, one of the better teams on the schedule. Uh, so yeah. we'll move on from Alcorn State and go to North Carolina, unless there's something you wanted to say. No, I, I think along with the offense getting used to it, we're going to have new linebackers going in there. I mean, they're guys that have been in the program, so they kind of have an idea of what's going on. But just learning to make your calls – um, I know KJ played a lot last year, and he'll probably be making the calls. But Chandler Wooten's a guy. He's probably going to be playing a lot more this year. So the linebackers, it's going to be a little bit of an adjustment, as well as the defensive line. And I just think all around for the team, it'll be a good, easy learning experience where mistakes can be made, and it won't, you know, cost you the game. It won't cost you a chance at the playoff. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, so North Carolina, week two in Mercedes-Benz. What are your thoughts on that one? Uh, this game makes me just a little bit nervous. Um, so looking back at North Carolina last year, uh, if you just look at – if you just glance and you see the seven and six, you're like, well, you know, how much better can they be? But when you take a deeper look at it, they uh, – all six of their losses were one-possession games. They had one game against Virginia Tech that went into six overtimes, and they had one game against – I believe it was Wake Forest that went to overtime. And so – they lost several overtime games. They lost one possession games. Um, everybody remembers that, that Clemson game. That game would have gone to overtime if Matt, Gra Matt Brown had chosen to kick that extra point, but he went for the win. And honestly, I love that. Um, to go for the win, go for two, uh, especially when you're an underdog like that. But yeah. Matt Brown has really been impressive since he's been at North Carolina, both recruiting and what he was able to get out of his team last year. Yeah, I definitely agree. The The team, I would say, overperformed last year, even though they went, just went 7-6. and six. You know, they had close games. Uh, and, you know, they were, they were two yards away from beating Clemson, which is just crazy that North Carolina just revived it that quick. Uh, but I'll tell you what, what worries me the most about North Carolina. You've got Sam Howell going into his second year, but Daz Newsom and Diami Brown both are coming off 1,000-yard seasons with receiving and that definitely worries me you know we're gonna have a young secondary will um, these guys will have only played one game together uh it's definitely going to be a test for them playing two of the better wide receivers in the country uh so hopefully our defensive line can disrupt uh sam howell and not let him get into a groove with with those guys yeah, uh, and along with that, they had a running back, I think. They had a 1,000-yard rusher that's returning. Mm -hmm. uh, so the offense for North Carolina looks like it's going to be really solid this season. Um, and then I know that their their defense last year had a really good uh, season. I want to say that they didn't give up 30 points 
in a single game in regulation. So the only time their defense gave up more than 30 points was when they were in overtime. Uh, and then the leader of their defense, Chaz Surratt, he's a linebacker. He's coming back. Um, they're going to be a tough opponent. Uh, I'm excited to see how it goes. I think it'll be a pretty close game, and I'm hoping that Auburn's able to pull it out at the end. Yeah, um, I definitely think that a distinct advantage that Auburn has in this North Carolina game is that Bo Nix has won close games, you know. That's the one, that, like, with Sam Howell, when you look at that, you know, you're 7-6, and six, you're like, well, you know, they could they could have gone – they could have won 10 games. Well, yeah, but the thing is, Sam Howell didn't win those games. And I think Sam Howell's a great quarterback, but Sam Howell doesn't have as much experience leading a game-winning drive, going over the top and winning that game. So I think that looking at the two quarterbacks, you know, you got to give Bo Nix an advantage who has those game-winning drives under his belt. He has those huge, huge moments that he came out on top, you know. Uh, so I think yeah, that- and I think everybody always gives the edge to the – the team that you know they have good players and you just assume that the other team would not have good players. And I think Auburn has a lot of guys that are just unproven. I think at receiver, I think we kind of have an idea of the receiver picture. Seth Williams, we know, is going to have a big season this season. But I think that the Auburn offensive line, I mean, that's going to make a big difference. If they're able to come out and they're able to push around the North Carolina defensive line and let those running backs get to the second level, I think it could be a really big shootout. If they're getting blown up and we're letting Chaz Surratt, you know, tackle the running backs behind the line, that's when it's going to get really ugly. So I think it's tough to call right now, you know, not having uh, spring practice to kind of hear how the O-line is uh, gelling and without fall practice. I think as we get closer to the game and after we see the Alcorn State game and we have a better idea of what the O-line is going to be like, it's kind of when we're going to have a better idea of how that game's going to go. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Uh, I'm looking right now uh, – I'm going to look at what – I'm going to show what Travis Etienne's stats against North Carolina were. He only had 14 attempts and 67 yards, which was one of his worst games of the season. I think the only worst game he had was against Texas A&M. But, you know, that that was a big reason on how UNC could stop him because what UNC likes to do a lot is they like to stop the run and make the quarterback beat them. Uh, with their ball hog DBs, you know, they like to they like to try and turn you over. You know, if they don't like to to stop you as much, you know, Auburn's Auburn's defensive scheme is kind of just don't let you get first downs, don't you, let you score. Whereas North Carolina really does like to turn you over and build some momentum. So I think that'll be interesting. I think that that's a definite a definite uh, key point is that Auburn has got to get the run game established early, and our offensive line has got to get a push on that North Carolina defensive line if we want to win that game. Yeah, I went and watched the uh, North Carolina-Clemson game while we've been in quarantine. And uh, I think the biggest problem that Clemson ran into is Trevor Lawrence was really flustered in the game. He was not able to complete his slant routes, just his, you know, little dink and dunk routes. And North Carolina brings the blitz a lot. And if you're not completing passes, I don't care if you're completing, you know, 80 yards downfield. If you have any kind of passing game, they can't bring the house on every play. But what was happening is – they had drops and he had missed throws The uh, North Carolina DBs were actually playing a good game against those Clemson receivers. And when you become one dimensional against this North Carolina defense, it's just not going to work for you. And a lot of teams struggle with that. And that's why they were able to, you know, hold everybody under 30 points except for that one game. Uh, so I, I think it's definitely, it's going to be a big game for Bo Nix because if he's on and he's hitting his slant routes and he's feeling confident, I really think that there's a chance that we could, score a lot of points on these guys. 
Yeah, I agree. That's a that's a definite, definite cool thing. So let's go to week three, the road trip to the Ole Miss Rebels. Um, this is kind of a wild card. I've seen a lot of people predict uh, Ole Miss to kind of make a jump, and I've seen a lot of people pick Ole Miss to to get the upset here. So what are you what are you thinking with Lane Kibben, Lane Kibben's team? Yeah. Uh, so Lane, I think Lane is a really underrated coach. Um, I think he kind of got a raw deal when he was at USC, especially when they left the guy at the road trip and gave him a Greyhound bus ticket. Um, I think that really turned a lot of people's opinions, you know, thinking that Kiffin wasn't that great of a coach. Um, and then he had a good season his first year at Florida Atlantic, and then he kind of didn't do great the rest of his years there. But he got the Ole Miss job, and I really think he's going to be able to uh, improve the program. The only thing that I think about Ole Miss is I know that Plumlee was a great quarterback last year and being able to run. But I just don't see this Auburn defense giving up to a running quarterback. I, I see it being a lot like last season. I see it being a hard-fought game. I see it being pretty low scoring. But I think that Auburn's going to feel like they're in control for most of the game. Uh, and it's going to come down to the wire, just like last year. Yeah, uh, I, I do think that, that Plumley is an interesting case because, you know, you look at his – I think he has an elite running ability. He is insanely fast. You know, none of our linebackers are going to be faster than him, which is a bit of an issue. But, you know, we, you know, Kevin Steele can can work something out there. But it's just if, if, if Plumlee doesn't learn to throw the ball consistently and he's not going to be successful in the SEC, I just do not see a team winning, you know, seven, eight, nine games in the SEC when their quarterback cannot throw the ball. You know, last year they tried to do they tried to do a weird thing with Matt Cor with Matt Corral and Plumlee and kind of subbing them in and out, and it's just it was just a mess. So I think that I think that if Plumlee can't figure out how to throw the ball, we should win this game. But if Plumlee can, if Plumlee's on with throwing the ball, you know we're gonna have to we're gonna have to watch out because this team will be really good if Plumlee is a consistent passer. If he learns how to throw the ball, he is Johnny Manziel. In my, I mean, he may be, he's a better runner than Johnny Manziel. Yeah. Um, and if he could even just be serviceable throwing the ball. But, I mean, right now he looks like a track guy out there. I mean, yeah, he, he looks does. like he's never thrown a football in his life. So, if he learns how to become serviceable throwing the ball, then I think Ole Miss could make a run not to win the SEC West, but I could see them being in the top three of the West if Plumlee's running the ball like he was last year and is able to throw the ball. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, another name to watch is uh, Jerion Ely. He's their freshman running back from last year, averaged seven yards per carry, which is really, really good. Uh, you know, he's, a, he's definitely a good, a good player. He'll have a year under his belt. He was on the all-SEC freshman team last season. So we'll have to look into that. You know, I definitely think he'll have a, he'll have a strong performance next year. But an interesting name to watch is Momo Sonogo. He was their middle linebacker last or two years ago in 2018, and he led the team in tackles, but he was injured in week seven of this season against Arkansas, and he missed the entire year. So I think that's an interesting thing. You know, if he's, if he's playing how he was in 2018, he'll be one of the better linebackers we play this year. So I think that's, you know, similar with Chaz Surratt with uh, North Carolina. You know, we're going to have to definitely try and try and neutralize those guys and make sure that they don't have a, a huge impact on the game. Um, yeah. 
So if, if you're done with talking about Ole Miss, we can move on to week four, which is the Southern Miss Golden Eagles in Jordan-Hare. So you can, you can start, us, start us off with that one. Yeah, Southern Miss, they're not quite as bad as uh, Alcorn State was this, <clears throat> last season. So I perceive this being a little bit of a challenge. I see this, I feel like Gus every year has the cupcake game that turns out to not be the cupcake game. Kind of like Tulane last year ended up being like a pretty good football team. I see Southern Miss kind of filling that role this year where Auburn should win the football game. It shouldn't be super close, but don't expect this to be a 65 to three, you know, running away with it. Um, I think this one's going to be a little bit tighter. Southern Miss is coming in with an experienced O-line. They all are uh, redshirt juniors or seniors. Um, They have a quarterback, and he has tremendous numbers. I mean, he racks up TDs. He racks up yards. But kind of like that Alcorn State guy, when he plays real defenses, he really struggles to not throw interceptions. So I think that'll be another game that the Auburn defense could really step up and get some picks. Yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, Abraham, their quarterback, definitely has a bit of an interception problem. So I think that our DBs are definitely going to have to have a good game there. And if we can force some turnovers and get him out of his groove, I think we should win that game, uh, hopefully by, you know, 20-plus. Um, but so yeah. let's go to the we're, – we're almost running out of time, but let's go to the last game that we're going to look at today, and that is week five against Kentucky. Uh, so why don't you start us off with that? Yeah, so Kentucky last season was 8-5, and five, and that was basically with a running back as their quarterback. So uh, Terry Wilson, their quarterback, had a nasty uh, knee injury last season that put him out. He was one of – I think they had two other quarterbacks get seriously injured last year. So they ended up with a guy who had not played quarterback before, and he kind of – they almost ran the uh, Ole Miss Plumley offense where it was, you know, read option left, read option right, uh, mm-hmm. jet sweep and just an option offense. Um, The defense was really strong last season. I think uh, last year they held Georgia to 21 points. They held several other people to really low totals. So Terry Wilson is anticipated to be back. Um, They're still not sure because his knee injury was that bad. Um, He's still rehabbing. They're hoping he'll be 100%. If he's not, the quarterback race at Kentucky is really wide open. Obviously, uh, the Auburn transfer – Joey Gatewood, he'll be there. He applied for a waiver for the NCAA. I don't think they've made a ruling yet on whether he'll be able to play or not. So it'll be interesting to see Kentucky. uh, I bet by the Auburn game, Terry Wilson will be able to play. uh, But it'll be interesting to see if he's the way that he was in 2018 when they won 10 games or if he's lost a step because of his knee injury. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think that uh, an interesting name to watch if Terry Wilson is not 100% or gets injured a game is Nick Scalzo. He uh, was on the popular TV series QB1. Uh, he'll be an incoming freshman. So, obviously, you know, Kentucky's goal is definitely not to start a true freshman against Auburn. But uh, he has a lot of talent, and I think that he could be he could be a name to watch if Terry's not, if Terry's not playing. But definitely, Terry is definitely a, – he's a very good quarterback. Uh, two years ago, you know, Kentucky was a very strong team. Uh, with him, you know, leading that offense. So, definitely, he's a he's definitely a, a name to watch, especially with his injury. But another thing is their defense. Their defense is a – it's an interesting thing. They've been really good the past two years. I think it'll be interesting to see if they can keep that, keep that success going for a third year straight and have a really strong defense. Uh, so, we'll just have to – just have to wait and see. I think a lot of what we'll know about Kentucky will be 
discovered throughout the year. You know, they have a lot to prove, a lot of guys, you know, a lot of question marks. So I think it'll be interesting to see how they are uh, coming into that, that matchup against us. So, Yeah, and Mark Stoops, I mean, he's done a great job at Kentucky. So I think every season that he's been there, they've gotten better as the season goes on. So catching them towards the end of the season, kind of the middle of the season is not ideal. Um, because we're kind of in that sweet spot in uh, middle of October with Kentucky where the season hasn't really worn on all of his players because they're not usually super deep because it's tougher to recruit there. But he's starting to get the most out of them. So I think it'll be a really interesting matchup uh, with Stoops being a defensive guy to see what Malzahn and uh, Chad Morris can draw up. Yeah, totally. I'm definitely excited for that. Uh, So we're going to stop it off here. Um, we're going to try and get a second episode of the podcast out in the near future. Uh, in that, we'll break down uh, the rest of the schedule, starting with the Georgia game, and we'll just kind of see how that all works out. Uh, we'll probably add a little bit more in there, too. But uh, thank you guys for listening. Um, if you guys want to you know, give us suggestions or whatever, feel free to DM the Instagram page. Um, and thank you guys for listening, and War Eagle. War Eagle.